FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome back to the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeals Sports Columnist, joined by DeMichael Cole, our Grizzlies beat writer. We are coming to you on the heels of of the Grizzlies game two win over the Golden State Warriors, evening their Western Conference semifinal series at one game apiece. Probably the greatest John Morant game to date. He scores 47 points to lead the Grizzlies to a come from behind win in the fourth quarter. Um, We're going to dive into everything that's happened uh, in these first two games of the Golden State State series uh, the, the flagrant fouls, the uh, phenomenal uh, drama, if you will, uh, and what's to come now that the series uh, shifts to San Francisco for games three and four starting Saturday night. So we've got a long break here. Um, but let's start here, DeMichael. Um, after these first two games, I think it's it's interesting to me that I think both teams go into game three thinking we could be up 2-0 in this series. You know, Golden State and Memphis both have probably have a right to think that way, uh, given how these first two games played out. In your mind, you know, in some ways this was a feeling out process, and others, some trends and patterns were established. What's the, been the most noteworthy, uh, I guess, developments in your mind Uh, from these first two games that you think is going to carry over and be a huge factor moving forward? I mean, the most obvious thing, Mark, is is John Morant and his success because coming into the series, I think, you know, when we last, you know, did our last podcast when we were talking about the Timberwolves series, a big part of that Timberwolves matchup was, you know, that team was super athletic, super long. They met John Morant at the rim, made it real hard for him to do a lot of things in this series, as we see golden state is a lot smaller and John Morant is having much more success finishing, even though it's, it's difficult finishes, but it's not finishes over a six, nine Jared Vanderbilt with six, five 40 plus inch vertical Anthony Edwards right behind you. So it's, it's a little more, you know, uh, doable this series and, and Morant's success is happening Without, you know, Desmond Bain being fully healthy and, you know, you don't have Steven Adams. So rebounding, which I'm sure you probably thought like I did, that that was a notable like advantage that Memphis had coming into this series. But they have not had a rebounding advantage through these first two games because I think that's due to Steven Adams. But they've also kind of neutralized Brandon Clark more than, than Minnesota did as well. So. I mean, I think the biggest factor is John Morant. It was a lot of John in game one, a lot of John in game two, Jared Jackson in game one as well. But John has been the one player who's really, you know, just kept it up uh, through these two games. I mean, there's no obvious answer, I think, especially, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, Gary Payton the second. But um, it's it's not looking too good there as well. He's like the Warriors, you know, ace defender for, for John Morant. Yeah, no, it's it's the two games have been fascinating in the sense that, you know, what you thought the Grizzlies would excel at, second chance yeah. points, point the paint, um, what they excelled at in the regular season, 
that has not really been a great formula for most of the games. There's an important caveat to that. Yeah. Whereas at the Golden State Warriors, you thought, you know, like they're the Splash Brothers, Jordan Poole, like they they they, they ranked top five in basically every three point shooting category in the NBA this past this past season, and yet it's the Grizzlies who are out shooting them from three point range through two games. Um, and now I would say the important caveat um, to this discussion is if you go and look, Grizzlies down four with four minutes and change to go. That moment when John Morant really took over the game, scores 15 points, uh, the Grizzlies' last 15 points. How did he do that? It was getting in the paint. You know, yep. like they won that game getting in the paint. Um, and so I think as this series wears on, like, the formula of taking 91 shots and 45 of them being three pointers. I question how sustainable that is, even though it has worked through the first two games. And I think the fourth quarter of game two really showed you like, yes, golden state is wants you is inviting you to take those threes is giving them up. I still think the way you win this series, you can win a game, maybe shooting 45 threes, I don't know if you can win the series without having your success in the paint. Um, and just like, you know, and I think it was a good, I guess, reminder, the fact that when it, when push came to shove in that game, in game two, that's how that's how the Grizzlies did their damage with John ja Morant uh, being, you know, with Golden State being unable to stop John ja Morant from getting into the paint. Yeah, and, and I, I agree there. Um you know, when you talk about Ja, you know, becoming becoming more aggressive late in the game, but in a way, Mark, they they had to shoot those three pointers. Um, I mean, maybe not forty five, but there's a reason that they took forty in game one and forty five in game two, and that's because uh, the way Golden State Golden State is going under every screen, especially with Ja, you're seeing when he's at the top of the key, when he's at the three point line, you know, at the top. Uh, the players are guarding him from the top of the circle for the most part. Like their feet are at the circle, at the top of the circle, and they're giving him that's what four or five feet feet of, of space. So it's kind of hard to you know constantly turn down what is probably the best look uh, you're gonna get for the most part of three quarters. And he's, I mean, they're making enough of him, you know, in game one. Yes, yeah, no, they have, they yeah. have, and well, and it's helped that. Golden State, I mean, these last two games, they've been pretty they terrible. Been, well, right, right. And and that's a, that's a big part of it, too. Because at the end of the day, if you're making threes and you're limiting what a lot of people think is probably the most lethal three-point shooting team of the past decade, uh, that's a winning formula. Clay Thompson, for one, I mean, he hasn't looked anything like, you know, Clay Thompson we've seen you know, over the years, uh, Steph Curry has had moments, but I think he was three of 11 from three point range in game two, Jordan Poole, great game one. He's but, five, he was five and 12 Steph. He was five yeah. and 12. Yeah. He's shooting yeah. Steph is shooting 35% from three in the playoffs, which is not horrible, but right. for the greatest three point shooter ever is not that great. Right. Yeah. Jaw ja was five of 12 from three point range, but, but Steph, yeah, Steph was three of 11. So, because as a team, they only oh. made seven. So the Warriors shot seven gotcha. thirty-eight from three-point range in Game Two. I believe that um, was the worst they've had in the playoffs in the Steph Curry era. So there, I, that was a lot of misses, and I did rewatch uh, a lot of Game Two. They did miss some shots too, 
and that's the scary part because you know when they go back to to chase, more of those are going to fall for guys like you know Clay, uh, probably Poole, Curry. They're going to hit some of those shots, and Memphis is going to have to weather that. And that's where you talk about you know getting to the rim because if Golden State has it going from three point range, you kind of don't want to get into just a three point shooting contest against them. I can see you know that going bad, and so they have to keep that balance. But, yeah, that fourth quarter where Ja re- relentlessly attacked the paint, uh, they needed that because you saw, Mark, it, it was around, I think, the end of the third quarter. They really got, like, just, you know, they, they really just start saying, you know, just start settling for a lot of three-pointers, and they weren't yeah. falling at that point. And it wasn't yeah. until, I think, Zaire Williams, I mean, he was, how big was he in game two? He hit a couple big three-pointers and really, you know, uh, got them over the hump. I believe they were down 83 to 80 when he hit back-to-back three-pointers to give them a three-point lead in the fourth quarter. So, but before that, I mean, they had a stretch where it was like, man, if Golden State was playing any type of decent offense, they they could have taken off. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's interesting. That's how I think a lot of things are intertwined. You mentioned Zaire Williams, and, you know, the thing that popped up to me in game two is, and, and it's why I think the Grizzlies – um, are going to have a chance to win. I don't think they're going to get blown out in any of these games the rest of the way because yeah. ultimately, I don't. Th- you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the series or whatever. Like, but the reality is, Golden State doesn't have anyone who can stop John Morant, especially now that Gary Payton the second is probably done for the at least the series. I mean, he fractured his elbow, and that's where you know it's kind of all intertwined. I think the reaction to that play. Um, when you combine it with what happened in game two, like, again, I don't think gold, I think golden state was rattled a little bit by what happened in game two. And that yes, Dylan Brooks's foul was, you know, selfish was stupid. He deserved, probably deserved to get kicked out of the game. Um, it was a, it was a flagrant two. If, if Draymond's a flagrant two, that had to be a flagrant two, but I do think how that played out at the beginning rattled Golden State in the sense that, like, I mean, Ja, it wasn't just that he scored 15 straight points and had 47. He diced up anyone <laughs> that the Warriors threw at him. I mean, Mark. Jordan Poole got embarrassed. Yeah. Steph, he got the better of Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, you know, has gotten like, – he got the one notable stop in game one. Yeah, uh, on the game basket hasn't basically has not stopped him otherwise, you know, in the in the eight or ten possessions. And like, you know, y- you mentioned him where you really see where Clay is diminished because the injuries is defensively like he yeah. used to be a guy that they might try to stick on jaw and put a bigger defender. But he's not he can't he can't keep up with jaw. Um, and I don't think they've got anyone now, um, even though jaw did a pretty nice job against Gary Payton in game one anyways. But he was their best bet. Um, yeah. Like, they were trying to put Wiggins on him, and, you know, he, he was too fast for Wiggins. And um, and I think that's where the reaction to Dylan Brooks's foul, I think part of their reaction is also, like, a resignation and, you know, and a realization that, crap, like, we don't really have, like, there are some things Golden State can adjust I'm yeah. not sure they're going to figure out a way to stop John Morant in this series. Yeah, because, I mean, all you have to do is look at history. I mean, think about Golden State. They've been in the playoffs so many times. So we have so much history to go off with this team. And 
And you think about, you know, the players who've had the most success against Golden State defenses in the playoffs. You think Kawhi Leonard, when he was putting his head down 6-7, getting to the rim, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of rim protection there. And LeBron James doing the same thing. You think of, you know, when they play those guard teams, James Harden, the main player who comes to mind, they were able to hold their own because, you know, they had all these quick, you know, agile perimeter defenders who can, you know, stay in front of you and things like that. But, but yeah, I mean, the Gary Payton injury is, is huge for them because, you know, you mentioned game one, Ja, ja probably won that matchup. But there was time, you know, in the regular season where Peyton, you know, had success. Yeah. So it's like you knew throughout the course of a series, Ja was going to win his, Gary Payton was going to win his. There, there isn't. I mean, Mark, I, I started laughing when I when I rewatched the film because I didn't kind of realize it in the moment, you know, towards the end of the fourth when when Ja was making those plays. You know, there was the one play where Zaire Williams comes up to the top of the key to set the screen, and he's bringing Clay Thompson with him. And Ja turns down the screen and he splits in between Clay and Andrew Wiggins, splits right in the middle of them, and then he gets to the rim and he finishes around, you know, Draymond Green, who's six six, but he has these super long arms, and he's great around the rim. And he goes around him with his left hand. And I'm like, man, that's that's three of like Golden State's most notable defenders right there. He split the double mm. and he met Ja. I mean, he met Draymond at the rim, finished around him. It's like those are those are the three guys. At it's Golden State would say, "Hey, we still have Draymond at the rim. Hey, we still have Andrew Wiggins on the perimeter." And like you said, Clay may not be who he used to be, but we, I mean, he's playing defense with confidence. If anything, he's not you know shying away from matchups or anything like that. So, and John kind of split those two guys with ease and went to the rim against Draymond. And I thought that just was a signature play late in that fourth. It's like, man, they. They might not have just one answer. It's going to definitely be a scheme thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, Josh's going to have to get some more help. And, uh, Mark, I think a big part of that is um, Desmond Bain and, and how, you know, he progresses in the co- next coming days. Yeah, no, this is going to be, you know, they've got the three-day break. And because if his back isn't healthier by Saturday, probably means it's not going to be back to normal during yeah. the series. Right. Um because it's going to be every other day from 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 this point on after uh, after this break here. Um, yeah, no, that's a huge that's a huge variable um, because he certainly did not in game two did not look like the player uh, who lit up Minnesota um, and looked just. I, I described it on Twitter as he yeah, looked he looked it. like the forty five year old <laughs> trying to play pickup with twenty somethings out there, you know. He, yeah. he was moving, but it was like gingerly and, you know, yeah. um, he looked like a, a step slower than everyone at times uh, because of that. So hopefully he gets healthy. We'll see what happens with Steven Adams. He's been in health and safety protocols. My guess is, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know for sure. We'll know in the next 48 hours or so, but my guess is he'll, 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 with this gap will also allow him to rejoin the team. Um, we'll see, you know, I'll be interested to see what his role could be. Um, we've gone far enough though, in this podcast Michael, what did you think, what have you thought of the flagrant fouls in this series and sort of the, uh, the animosity that's building between these two teams, the contentiousness, if you will. Um, what, what have you made of, of that sort of, uh, sideshow to the series? 
Well, one thing that I'll say is before 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 I get to the flagrant fouls, I remember uh, it was kind of in January. Uh, Steve Kerr was asked, "Does he think you know the Grizzlies are a rival at this point?" And he basically you know turns it down because he's like, "Ah, oh, the play in. It's only been a few regular season games. We have to at least play them in the playoffs." It's only been two playoff games, and I think this series looks a lot more like what people thought last series with the Timberwolves, with the Toto trash-talking teams and all that. This series looks more like what a lot of people thought that last series would uh, look like. And But, yeah, with those flagrant fouls, I mean, um, Brandon Clark, Draymond Green, and, and, and I think, you know, Dray, Draymond, uh, you could you could order borderline flagrant, too. I think Dylan Brooks was more flagrant, too, because – uh, Draymond did have the slap to the face and then the pull down on the jersey. And, um, so, you know, and I, I did the, the only difference. The only difference was that Brandon Clark didn't get hurt and Gary Payton yeah. did in my mind. That, that, and I mean, but that's a big difference. Like, yes. and, and, and it was a, you know, they both, like you said, the main thing that was common with both of those plays is it was two airborne players. And that's the main thing, like, you don't want to see. You know, um, with Gary Payton, he was out in transition. And, you know, Brandon Clark, he just jumps really high. And Draymond, you know, is pulling him down. So both plays, I think, were deserving of a flagrant two. We'll see what else comes of, you know, uh, the Dylan Brooks situation. I'm starting to lean, Mark. I wouldn't be surprised just just from me because Steve Kerr, you know, I mean Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins. I I do. I I will say this. He he really showed last series that he's willing to stand up for his players and and you know do do what it takes from from that side of thing. But Steve Kerr really uh you know pushed the envelope uh, after after game two. And I mean it might have some type of effect on Dylan Brooks's uh you know status. Yeah. Can I can I I, I want to weigh in on this because I found. Yeah. I thought I thought with Steve Kerr and it was Draymond too and Steph yeah, Curry, yeah. they were like angling to get Brooks suspended after that game. The way they were talking, yeah, and they might succeed. Um, my personal opinion is to suspend Dylan Brooks. One, you would have had to have suspended. I, I thought the I thought the plays him and Draymond committed were similar. Both deserved what they got. Um. And I would say, I would argue, like in terms of intent, Draymond had far more intent because of the um, than Dylan Brooks. Like Dylan Brooks was his foul was, like I said, stupid and selfish. It was like a reaction to him shooting the ball terribly to start that game. But he was trying to block a shot. He just did it terribly and misjudged. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been going for the block there. It was just. You know, fake effort, if you will. Um, and he and he whacked Gary Payton over the head. Gary Payton, though, I, I like Dylan's some of the blame for him fracturing his elbow, but like the reason he fractured his elbow is not because he got whacked in the head; it's because he landed improperly. And you, I know that there's a there's an argument that the only reason he had to land was because Dylan whacked him in the head. So I understand that, but. Like, ultimately, like, most of the injury was, like, not related to the whack in the head. Um, and then I add on the fact that 
it happened three minutes into the game. So essentially Dylan has already been suspended for one game because of this play. Um, now, all that being said, you know, you this got Steve Kerr be- telling the world right. that, you know, Dylan Brooks broke the code. It's yeah. like, that's rich coming from the guy who has defended Draymond Green's antics time and time again. Where was the code then? You know, <laughs> like, where was the code when he dragged Brandon Clark down from his jersey? You know, uh, where where was the code when he kicked, kicked uh, what's his name, Steven Adams in the nuts in the playoffs way back, way back when? Like, there was no code then, but there is now. Um, and I think you're right, though, because Kerr and Steph Curry and, the, you know, this Warriors team is such a, you know, a big entity within the NBA framework, both in terms of popularity, in terms yeah. of... A lot of veteran guys, guys with a lot of influence. I am afraid that Brooke Dillon's going to get suspended again, but I don't think he deserves it. I I personally think right now the punishment fits the crime. He basically missed all of game two because of the foul. I don't think it merits an additional suspension. If Draymond didn't get suspended, Dillon shouldn't get suspended. And and I agree. I I, I agree. And and my thing is... Draymond, like you just said, powerful voices. Draymond, Steve Kerr, they have influence. And and the way, you know, they were not holding back anything after the game. They were very loud about how they felt, you know, about the foul. And, you know, some people are going to compare it to the Grayson Allen uh, foul on, was it Alex Caruso and, and things like that. He ended up getting, I think, a one-game suspension and things like that. So I mean I don't I don't think I mean, it's 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 the playoffs you know they're gonna be hard fouls guys are playing hard Dylan Brooks you know he comes into the play like you said it was it was a dumb play but he's not a guy that's known for any type of lack of hustle so it's not surprising that he was trying to chase that play down but yeah me committed a real hard foul and um, you know it resulted in Gary Payton too an important player for the Golden State Warriors getting hurt so. I think all of that's going to be taken into consideration, you know, whether it's valid or not, that all that should be taken into consideration. But it, it will definitely be taken uh, into consideration when it comes to Dylan Brooks' status. But, I mean, luckily for the Grizzlies, if or, you know, if he is to be suspended or however that plays out, even if he's available, Mark, uh, the return of Zaire Williams, I think, is is a really big deal. Um, he, he said after game two that, you know, he wanted to play in game one, but the trainers kind of, you know, held him back, didn't want him to play. And I, it crossed my mind. Then, I mean, if they would have had Zaire Williams in game one, because I remember John Contra played, what, eight minutes in game one. It was negative 10. Mm-hmm. If that was Zaire Williams, I mean, we talked about how this series yeah. could do well either way. I, I think that's a big I- deal. He's important. He's good. I worry, like, I, I worry that, like, that was kind of an anomaly, to be honest. Like, he's a rookie. Like, I don't, I, I think he deserves to get some minutes after what he did. Like, he was great. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you can count on him to give you consistent production like that um, the rest of the series. I, I'm not sure he's at that place yet um, in his career. Um, and, you know, ultimately, he played a bigger role because Dylan wasn't playing. Um, but no, it was, it was, they needed it. I mean, he hit those two big threes in the fourth quarter. Um, I wanted to go back because like, I really like, you know what game two did for me? Like, I just, now I'm like kind of sick of the the warriors. Like, I'm just kind of (laughs) like, 
like Draymond's middle fingers and then like yeah. complete, you know, going up there and saying like basically saying, I'm a I'm a rich dude. It doesn't matter to yeah. me. Like taking that approach and then like saying, well, the fans were the fans were uh, booing me when I could have had a concussion and I was hurt. It's like, oh, so like we're just going to ignore the fact that in game one. You like purposefully were trying to rile up those fans when you got ejected from the game. Like you brought this on yourself, dude. Like, you know, like, it's just say like he's he's obnoxious. Steve Kerr sounds like a hypocrite at time. Like and it's the point I'm making is not to like insult those guys. It's to like point out the fact that like this is turning into what I think is going to be just a classic playoff series like where there's just going to like. By the time we get back to Memphis after game four, there's going to be so much built up like contentiousness and like uh, bitterness. And it's just and I think it's going to be a long series. And I think it through two games, it's proven like this is the best series going in the NBA right now. Um, like these two first two games were, you know, not the, you know, game two, especially wasn't like the the best played game with all the missed shots, especially by the Warriors. Um but like really compelling and captivating basketball with a lot of just really interesting storylines because it's, you know, this, this proud champion trying to, you know, make an, make another run at it, not knowing how many more they've got left in them going against this team team. You know, it's like almost like the warriors are might be, might, this might be the warriors last best shot. And the yeah. Grizzlies are in there, are getting, I have their first best shot at yeah. the, at, at, at like winning a title. Um, and having those two teams collide and have two, two generational players on either side, two, but they're from kind of like two different generations in Steph Curry and John ja Morant. I mean, this is, I, I just think, I think we're, we're, this is the beginning of, just what's going to be remembered as like an all-time classic of a playoff series. That's, that's what my sense is right now. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's fun. It's, it's been super fun. Uh, both the Warriors are hateable. They're very hateable from Memphis's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very much so. And I didn't think, you know, the Warriors for a long time were this nice, charming team, this nice backcourt, the family guy and, you know, Clay, the quiet, cool guy. You know, Draymond was loud, but Steve Kerr, all these guys were likable. But, you know, as years go on, you know, you kind of get more villainous. And they have, I mean, we saw Steph Curry talking trash, you know, in game one. I mean, I'm sitting right there. And he's talking about locking uh, John Moran up in the closing minutes. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I, I thought Curry was the good church boy. You know, I didn't, some of the words came out of his mouth kind of surprised me, Mark. But and then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, game two, Steve Kerr. When uh, the injury to Gary Payton too uh, happened, I mean, of course, you know, uh, he was he was beside himself. But I mean, he was yelling at like Jaron Jackson and and you know Grizzlies players and and the Grizzlies bench on on their way, you know, to the timeout. And I, I mean, I hadn't seen did I, even talking to the Warriors beat. Like, I hadn't seen him ever be that upset, you know, about a foul. So. The intensity is there. It's setting up for for one of those type of series. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting out in San Francisco for games three it's and be four. Gonna be a lot of booze. What? For, 
there's going to be a lot of boos for some Memphis guys. We saw John Morant get booed in Minnesota. I think he'll get booed. Maybe even Brandon Clark. You know, they they might even boo Brandon Clark. I mean, we, we haven't seen that happen yet. <laughs> well, it depends if Dylan plays. If Dylan plays it a lot. Oh, yeah. Towards, if yeah, Dylan yeah. plays. We'll, we'll, we, we shall see. And, uh, you know. <laughs> It's gonna be. It's gonna be. I think it's just gonna be a lot of fun. We haven't even. We haven't had. We haven't even introduced Andre Godala to the series. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, uh, it, we're aspect. just. Getting, it's just getting started. It's it's so it's so many more storylines that have yet to unfold. Uh, like you said, Andre Godala. I mean, we we haven't talked a lot, you know, about the key players uh, like Desmond Bain, um, and then Stephen Adams. You know, the rebounding. Taylor Jenkins kept talking about it because from our perspective, it was a more physical game. You know, I felt like it was a more physical game, but uh, Taylor Jenkins was like, eh, the physicality comes with the rebounding. And it wasn't, you know, they didn't have their normal rebounding advantage against Golden State. And it's starting to look like, I mean, through two games, if it hadn't happened now, it's probably not going to happen until, you know, a guy like Steven Adams uh, comes back. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a uh, storyline to watch. All right, we'll have tons of coverage of everything Grizzlies Warriors uh, over at CommercialAppeal.com. To Michael and I will be out in San Francisco for games three and four. Um, what's shaping up? Like I said, to be uh, one of those playoff series you always remember um, because it it, do, it really does feel like. Uh, the war this Warriors Grizzly series could go either way. They're tied at one apiece. Game three Saturday night. Um, again, I think it's like a seven thirty Central Time tip. Uh, Till next time. I was Mark. That was DeMichael. Thanks so much. And again, make sure you're checking out CommercialAppeal.com for all of your Memphis Grizzlies coverage. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.